up tonight. We've got really interesting guest on in Lee Roberts or Al Roberto, some might know him by his stage name. A magician who is now working on his comedy, his one-liners. He's a recent semi-finalist through on the South Coast Comedian of the Year. A very interesting guy, very knowledgeable about the industry, very funny. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Hello, Lee. Can you hear me, Lee? Hello. Hello, you okay? Hello, mate. How are you doing? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, can you hear me? I can, loud and clear, buddy. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's much appreciated. I um, Obviously, we've uh, like connected a while back on... Uh, you know, on on the various on the circuits and whatever, but we only really met for the first time like last week or the week before last, whenever the gig was in at King's Loft. We did, and you got the brief by standing under the clock with the red roses, so it was all lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was a good gig, that wasn't it? First one back for a lot of people. Do you know what? It was good, wasn't it? I mean, it had a bit of everything, really, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Julia. Those who know, know. Yeah, but I mean, do you know what? That's kind of like a good thing, really, because I think you can kind of like test yourself in situations like that. And yeah. it, 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 you've almost got a free hit as well, because it was frustrating. Really sorry for Simon, to be honest. And it kind of like set the, the first couple of comedians sort of like lost out, really, on, on a technical difficulty that was a punter. Yeah, it knocked him off their stride, didn't it? Yeah, it did. But I think that's quite good, really, because there'll there'll be more. I think everyone sort of like learned something from that as well. I think everyone will be more equipped to kind of like, you know, have your defence mechanism ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and she wasn't uh, when when people hear about hecklers, you generally hear about people shouting, "Oh, your shit," or giving you loads of hassle. But she wasn't that type of heckler, was she? She just wanted to join in with everything. You know what? She, in a way, yes, yeah, she was. I spoke to her like at the break, and she was actually, she was actually lovely in her own way. Do you know what I mean? It was just, I think, I think alcohol in the moment, kind of like it was her fifteen minutes of fame almost. Yes. Oh God, I'm trying to balance this bloody microphone. That's better. There we go. <laughs> we have, have we started, or are we just having a chit chat? Yeah, no, we start straight away, mate. So I like to keep it as authentic as possible, and that means that I don't have to edit anything. Then, oh, I better put some clothes on then. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's no point one of us just having clothes on. Yeah, oh, true. I suppose so. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, obviously you are known as El Roberto. I am. That's your um your moniker. Where does that come from? Well, it all stems back because um, I'm a magician, as you probably know. Yeah. And to kind of like break into that sort of like world, that's also a little bit kind of like difficult to, to a certain extent, um, rather than just having Magic Mark, Magic Mike or the whatever it is. Yeah. And I've always been called by a lot, a lot of mates LMR, which is my initials. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And... I had a letter come through many, many years ago. Um, I won't give away my age, but it was um, one of these kind of like cassettes that you can send away for. I can't think of the company, like albums. And my initial was obviously L, the letter L for Lee. And my surname is Roberts. But a typo came in. It was L Roberto. And I thought, well, if I put an E in front of the E-L, I've got myself a stage name. Nice. And that's how it was born. There's nothing more or less about it. And when you apply for equity cause for magic, the name Lee Roberts was taken. So it kind of like just just fitted in. And I was a little bit reluctant to use it on the magic cir- uh, on the comedy circuit, to be honest, because uh, it's, they've got two alter egos, really, the magician and now the comedian. But yeah. I just thought, Do you know what? It's it kind of like fits now, and I'm, I'm kind of like stuck with it, and I like it. So. It's, Fair enough. It, it, it's a win-win for me, really. Yeah, I mean, th- that's it. There's there's nothing more technical <laughs> about it than that, really. To be honest, Craig, and I think a lot of comedians kind of like change their name or have a different name, don't they, for whatever reason? 
And yeah. so I think this, I mean, I've had people phoning me up for magic thinking I'm Spanish. So, I mean, the L maybe gives some yeah. away. I've no idea what, what, what people think of it, but, but that's just, I mean, Dan Churchy always called me L. Lee Roberto, which, you know, that sits just as fine as well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pull him up on it because he probably won't be listening anyway, but hey. <laughs> I, um, it's, uh, that's interesting about the, um, you need an equity card to sort of be, is that because of like the magic circle? You've got distinguished Well, people? I'll is tell you what it's for, really. Yeah, and it's more for, public liability insurance because when you go and do a gig if you're doing a wedding or um a corporate or whatever and you burn someone's handbag if you're doing some fire or somebody trips over your case and they break their leg you're insured for something like about 10 million on there i think okay. and and to be part of equity i think years ago it was kind of like oh god you've got to be an actor or an actress or, but it's just a general thing that most magicians are members of equity i mean i don't know if comedians are to be honest i'm guessing it must go hand in hand to be honest yeah i guess so if you're a professional i haven't really thought about it the trouble is well i've got a there's a, quite a famous uh kiwi uh actor who was in lord of the ring films called craig parker so now oh, i start thinking about my alternative name now oh right okay yeah well or maybe he's thinking of his alternative name yeah maybe i'll just i'll just take over yeah but i mean equity i mean it's something because if you were asked to go and do a a, a film or an extra or something and you've got your equity card that pretty much gets you you know part that's the gig that you're on sort of thing okay if you look at any magician's website or whatever you'll normally see the equity logo and say a member of equity i think it just sounds all right as well to be honest it's a little bit yeah makes you sound more professional it yeah, there's nothing special in it. Let's 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 be frank. There's nothing. <laughs> it is it is something that it's a necessity for, for if you're going to sort of like get paid work or or eventually get paid work to be um, a member of equity is kind of like part of the, the the magic process, if you like. Amazing. Yeah, so that's it. I do come from a magic background. That's kind of like a magic and comedy have always kind of like have been my thing, if you like. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about this because obviously I had Glenn Stone on, who's one of your close friends, and yeah, um, yeah, he sort of spoke about how he got started in magic and how that naturally sort of synced into comedy because as part of the the sort of street magic that he was doing, you ad lib and you speak and you have things prepped. So, I mean, from your your side of things, how how did you get into magic? Was magic always what you've done, or was that something you've, you've sort of yeah, well, hobby or? I'll, I'll... I'll kind of like go full circle with it. Yeah, I've always loved it as a kid. Um, kind of like like anything, I suppose. You know, I was a kid that was sort of like growing up in the 70s. So there weren't a, a varied amount of things. You had to go to the library and get your books. Yeah. Love magic. It was always something that, you know, you could fool someone with at a, at a party or do something at school. And then I kind of like drifted in and out of it as you do and... Um, my hobby is like I collect Lambert and motor scooters. That's my kind of like, that's my thing. And I drifted in and out of um, different things, but stayed with like with scooters. Okay. And then, then like Penn and Teller were kind of like big on the telly with um, their kind of like Friday night programs. And it was like immense. They were exposing magic and it was yeah, like, I used to love that program. Yeah. I think everyone, I think everyone's got some sort of kind of like, connection with that and i just thought god this is absolutely brilliant and then paul daniels used to have some brilliant acts on there and i thought this is this this is absolutely you know like really fantastic i love it then david blaine came out yeah and that was like right at the right time when you know i was out drinking and sort of like you know trying to sort of like be a lad and old in court and whatever yeah yeah and <laughs> the, the the bitten coin was a trick that he was doing and it, this was amazing. So we used to jump on a train and go to Davenport's in London or around Covent Garden. And then I was down, the, the gum wharf had just opened and I didn't know about any clubs or anything. And I was pretty much a solitary magician, really, kind of like just self-taught, practicing my own stuff. The limited books I had, videos that were kind of like, there's no DVD as such. And then I was down the gum wharf, it had not long opened and I see this big crowd and there was a street magician, didn't know the bloke from Adam. And it subsequently, it turned out it was Glenn. Uh-huh. Went uh-huh. over, introduced myself, told him that I said, oh, I share a passion of all this, mate. 
we kind of like got chatting. We had a beer. We exchanged telephone numbers. He put me onto the Ports of Magic Circle. Within sort of like a fortnight, my application form was in. I joined the club, and the rest is kind of like history, if you like. And then I was there for a couple of years. Then I was president for two years. So it really kind of like oh, wow. it was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind kind of like thing that was almost like meant to happen. Yeah. And, and through the through the Magic Club, I'm a quite a confident guy anyway. But my confidence grew being around other people, you know, women, children, older people, younger people, sharing the same hobby and interest. Yeah. And obviously, then they teach you about how to hold yourself, your body language, your project, your projection, looking at the crowd, your your voice going from one side of the room to back. You know, really connecting with everyone. And I think that's what's like stood me in good stead when I get up on the microphone. And I think that that part of our experience and what we can relate to is kind of like brilliant for the next step, which is now comedy, which I've found all through, through magic. So, you know, I don't think that the chapters are finally written yet, but this is just another one that's kind of like flipped open at the comedy page now. So that's generally where, where, where I've got into it really. So how long has comedy been a thing then? Look, as an out and out. Oh, do you know what? I've always tried to be a joker from at school and trying to always be a prankster and making people laugh. The dressing room guy at football, you know, if we go yeah. on a stag weekend, I'd always take a few props and tricks and, and do some jokes. It's always been in me, but I've always struggled to kind of like find my character, what I wanted to do, because I've always loved one-liners. But then I've always struggled to find somewhere to perform. I mean, I, I've got a family and, you know, I've got a full-time job and what have you. So it all kind of like now I've got my own time to do things in the evenings. And so comedy, I can give up two, three nights a week if I need to. And no one else is being put out, you know, whereas before, you know, bringing up kids and what have you, it seemed to be a bit not it's a single man's game if you if you want to do it in your sort of like late 20s early 30s i think or a single ladies game if you've got to do, make a lot of sacrifices but now i can kind of like concentrate more on it and obviously that's paying off because uh what i was saying the gig the other week was the first for many it was your sort of second or so that week because you'd gotten through to the semi-finals at the south coast comedian of the year I had, yeah. That was almost like I was a wild card, and I think so was. Um, so was Catherine, yeah, my friend Viney. Yeah, yeah, it's the first time I've met her. And um, we were sitting in sort of like um, a room at the back of the Spring Arts Centre, and we were kind of like chatting through masks, and it was all a little bit muffled. And <laughs> she was saying that she was a bit sort of like not nervous, but on the on the fly a little bit because she just got shortlisted for it last minute. And I had as well. I'd only got the email on the Monday to say, am I available on the Wednesday? And I've got a, a really tight set that I do anyway. And I thought, having really not known the crowd or what, what it was going to be like. And I was on fourth, I think. Yeah, I think I was on fourth, which is quite a good number to sort of like get a break out of the way. And I was back the first set one on after the break, actually. So it was quite nice. And yeah, it went really, really well. And it just seemed to be that w with a one-liner, you're almost guaranteed a laugh on every joke, or you should be. And if you're not, you'll get a laugh on the second joke because they've just got that joke. Or if you don't get a laugh, it's not good enough to go in the set. Yes. So that's pretty much the rhythm that, that I kind of like work on. So yeah, that's that was a pretty cool achievement, really. I mean, I'm not... A mega fan of, of of the competition, full stop, really. But basically, where else can you get the chance to be in a competition, see other sort of like you know your, your peers, if you like, and play such a great venue? So it, it it was a free hit for me, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. It's um obviously I did it before the the shutdown, so it wasn't nobody was socially distant. But um, how did you find it with the uh, was the crowd small? I can't remember how the numbers. Do you know what, Craig? To be honest, you had to pick a microphone up because they were all, you had your own microphone almost when yeah. you did. Um, and then where I put mine, 
when you're looking out at the crowd, as you know, you always get the glare of the light. So I couldn't really, <laughs> excuse me, make out a lot of people. And I should really put my long range glasses on, but I don't bother. Um, so, yeah, I think it was it was fine. I mean, you can pick up. I tend to kind of like look at a couple of people, especially if I'm doing like quite a strong, not cringy joke, but quite a strong, rudish kind of joke. I yeah. kind of like want to regain eye contact with people. Yeah. So I'm telling them that. So I could see I could see quite a few scatterings of people and then I could pick up sort of like what I call the sort of like the raucous laughs, you know, from females and gents and then i can then put my eyes at them but to be honest i couldn't really see tons it was quite it was quite dark in there to be honest yeah i don't know what what if um viney thought the same i don't know but i know one guy said afterwards he said i couldn't really see anything so but yeah it was a good experience it was great it was brilliant to be back and like you say and to get through was even better really yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's not an easy thing to get through, so it's a good achievement. Well done. Oh, thank you. And um, so, how long has it been now since comedy has been the full time? Or are you still doing little uh, like gigs for the magic as a sort of? Do you know what? You don't magic... mix them, do you? No, but do you know what? You say that we can come on to that. Um, magic will always be my my go to bag, if you like. You know, what I mean that's my kind of like my my. <sighs> That's that's the thing. Yeah. Whereas comedy, you can mix the, the the two of them, but comedy has kind of like really took over now. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of like writing prolifically now and trying to think of a lots of sort of like. I, I'll give you a tip on how I write as well, which is be quite interesting as well. Whether other people do the same or not, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, to get back to get back to your, to your original question, comedy is kind of like has sort of like taken over because magic i've i've been there seen that done that and i know it off the heart you know what i mean whereas comedy i think magic you're always learning i would never take it for granted but comedy you're always looking for five minutes eight minutes 12 minutes 15 minutes then maybe a full 45 if you're you know right at the top of your game yeah so but yeah just to sort of like get you into you know i'm a one-liner man as as, as you well know yeah um, and I think it's quite simple to, to write a one-liner, to be honest. And I think everyone, if they listen to this, can have a go at it. And it's just basically picking up. The English language is so beautiful that it's got so many words that have multiple meanings. Yeah. So, you know, if I say I got a lift home from work, I'm hoping everyone presumes that I got a lift in somebody's car. Yeah. When really I've stolen an elevator if you like you know what i mean to use it in the american term but lift and lift bowl and bowl um hold and hold it, uh, fair trade fair trade but whatever there's tons so what i do is i've got a big printout of all hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of words that have multiple meanings and then i'll write a joke back from it so it's kind of like the same as proverbs and sayings so it, I'll try to give you an example. Um, okay, well, so there, there you go. Um, I'm just looking through some of my bits and pieces. Well, this is this is a joke that I dropped, but it, it's kind of like um, the wife said she's going to put the kettle on, and I said it won't match your handbag. Nice. So what I'm saying, that's just because we all presume she's putting the kettle on, which means yeah. she's switching it on for it to boil, as opposed to wearing it. And I just think... If you look at some of these, the, the jokes that I do, I'm surprised that the audience don't telegraph them before I've done the punchline. But I guess that's what the beauty, the beauty of a one-liner is. It's kind of like a setup and punchline, boom, 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 and you've pulled the rug from under them before they've even kind of like had chance, you know, to to, to think about it. So it's kind of like. Um, Anyone who wears a Bluetooth headset deserves a clip around the ear. And it's just another example of it might not be the best or might not be the worst, but it's just everyone can have a go at writing a one liner. And once you've got them, you can then polish it. And I find that sometimes I'll write a joke and I'll count it and it might be 18 words. But at the end of it, I can get it down to, say, 12 or 11. Yeah. With the impact. Yeah, Which... no, I can see that. I think 
obviously everybody must hear one-liners differently. I think in my head, it's almost like a uh, it's almost like a challenge, you know, when somebody sort of tells you the start of a joke and you're like, oh, how... Yeah, and I try and work it out. It's almost like a puzzle. When I hear, like, when I've listened to your um, your set, I'm trying to race ahead to see if I can work the punchline out myself. And then what <laughs> I find funnier is when you catch me and I'm like, ah, oh, that's really good. I wouldn't have thought that. And that's what makes me laugh. Um, well, yeah. And, like, do you know what? That's exactly it. It's kind of like... Um... I do I do a couple of sight gags now, which I'm bringing in because if you watch Tim Vine, he does ears and he does pen behind the ear, or he breaks it up with something. Because if you listen to one-liners, it's all very samey. And once you've had sort of like five minutes of it, I think personally you've had enough of it. I've had enough of it for, for telling them, and I think the audience know that everyone's going to be a da 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 boom da 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 boom. Yeah. Whereas a setup and punchline joke teller like yourself. And many others on the circuit, you're leading them to something, you're setting them up, then you're going to deliver the punchline. But you might deliver that punchline in between laughs, and it might be a two minute setup. Whereas then you're going to move on to a completely different subject. Whereas one liners, you're just using basically um, homonyms, proverbs, different kind of like, you know, sayings, phrases. And you think of how many. How many, you know, I said through gritted teeth or, um, oh, God, give me another get an example of, of, of a saying, a bird in the hand is worth two in a bird. There's, yeah. a joke, look, there's a joke about every one of those because we all, we're all familiar. You know, I say people who live in glass houses, well, everyone's thinking shouldn't throw stones. Yeah. But the point is shouldn't throw a sex party. And again, <laughs> you're just, you're using what everyone knows, but you're whipping away what they know for something else. Yeah. And yeah, so that's just... what I like about them. That's, that's definitely my, my take on them. And, and like you say, you've you've introduced, obviously, you've got the, the pen, you've introduced a few different other elements. So yeah, I've got... Attention. Yeah, the pen is great. And I've got another couple of things. I was going to start with something different on Thursday at yours, but unfortunately, I get IBS and it's just a ball ache. So I couldn't make yours. So I'm going to reschedule with you at the end of this if I can. Yeah, but I've got something... Thank you. I've got something I want to open with, which again is a prop, and it's it is magic, but it's 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 a comedy magic. And again, what's good about it is it's the audience will be trying to work out how I did that, as well as pe- keeping up with the the flow of kind of like the, the the jokes, if you like. So, and I think they need that, and then they look back and go, oh, what about that, or what about the pen, or what about the swan, or whatever it is that I'm going to put in. And I think that's. You've got to have something like that to, to, to make you stand out. And also, it's got to be funny because you're, you're entertaining as, as, as much as much as you're making people laugh and you want to say, oh, I need to get a laugh there. The sole purpose of it is you're entertaining them. They're not entertaining you. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That, that's how I see it. And I mean, like Stu Francis, a Canadian guy, Gary Delaney, as you probably well, well know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know a guy from the 80s, the film Caddyshack he was in, and it's, he's, uh, his stage name's Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Jack Roy. Yeah. I mean, he's a comic genius. I mean, some of the stuff, you know, it's sort of like 60s, 70s, 80s comedy, but it's still it's still really prevalent now. It's it's superb stuff. So that's the kind of like things that I'll buzz YouTube on and watch some of their stuff, see their mannerisms. I'm still trying to find my character as such. I'm trying to be kind of like a bit nonchalant and a bit kind of like a whatever, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. look at the audience. Yeah, I'm going to tell you these stories that are sort of like da 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 boom da 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 boom. Yeah. Walk. And I just think that's at the moment that's took me a couple of years to kind of like to get to that really. So. Yeah, it can't be easy. And and the thing that I obviously I find amazing is is the memory of being out. Now I know you've got little prompt cards for sometimes with me, but sometimes you don't. And then it's that sort of reeling off of the one after the next. That sort of memory that you have to have. And then I was going to ask if there's like a because the jokes don't seem to follow a pattern. They go like you say, they almost seem like separate one-liners. So in your head. Yeah. How do you run that through? Well, I'll tell you what it is. There's a thing called a memory palace. Yeah. And what I don't know if you're familiar with it, but 
if you wanted to kind of like Holmes fan, I know these things. Yeah, that's it. So you build up a story in your mind that you walk to the gate, you picked up a pen, you put the pen in the ignition of your car, your car ran out of petrol, you ended up in Miami. And that's the memory palace that you, you, you kind of like. And what I try to do is they are in a pattern, but they're also they jump in and out of pattern. So when I talk about my wife, I do a little bit about, you know, like a relationship, if you like, then I might jump into something completely different, which I know might be a flat joke, but it's still funny. But then the next subsection, if you like, will pick back up. So it'll kind of like, you can't put completely really, really rude stuff in there because you've got to kind of like, even though your audience will choose you, you've also got to kind of like think, do I really need to say the F word there when I can say she went ballistic? I don't need to say she went effing ballistic. Yeah. See, so in, on my prompt cards, and I'm going to tell you something as well that I've got that I'm going to do with those as well. Um, on those, I've just got one word. So like for argument's sake, I'm looking at one now and it's just got wrestling written on it. Now, I know exactly what that joke is. OK, so I don't need to have any more than just that on there. And I just hold them, flick them, kind of like do them as though they're a pack of playing cards, if you like. Yeah. Look at everything out the corner of my eye. Look at the audience. I know what's going to follow it. But if I don't, I've got a safety net there. Put them to the back. And I, I, I kind of like um, flip between the two. Do I use them? Don't I use them? But I'm going to do something um, with them at the end, which is going to be quite magical at the end of the set. But it's not going to be... I'm not going to announce it's magical. It will just be for the audience. It will just happen. Yeah, and some of them will see it. Some of them will go, what, what, what you know, that. I don't want to <laughs> give it away, but yeah. that, that's part of being a magician, but not announcing I'm a magician. Because when I produce that pen, it comes from out of nowhere. And, and it's very visual, as you well know. But at no point is anyone suspecting that that's going to happen. So, again, I want to bring the element of surprise but the memory side of things, what I do is I lay them all out. And another good tip is, I don't know if you record your gigs or if anyone else does, but I just record the audio rather than the video. And on the iPhone, you get, you know, you're, you're recording. And you get like a graph as you're playing it back. Are, are you an iPhone or are you a, Yeah, an iPhone man. Okay, well, when you, you play... you on the memos, on the voice memo thing. Yeah, on yeah. the voice memo. And when you play it back, you can see all the peaks going up, which is you talking. Then when you stop or, or you're waiting, the next peak will be the audience and you can see where the laugh is. So what I do yeah. is I've got like a, a, a grid. It's only a square, like maths grid, if you like. And it's numbered, say, one to 60. And then I score it out of 10, what that, that would be. So just say, for argument's sake, my opening gag, the scale goes right up, I put that as a 10. Then the next one down might not, so I put a three if it is. And then I can see what kind of like response I'm getting from the audience on the one-liner all the way through every gag. Brilliant. Yeah. And then say, say the 15th gag might get a really big laugh, but they've just got number 14. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, and you can hear sometimes, Oh, I get it. Oh, do you know what I mean? Which is great, which is what oh, that's that's where I'm looking at. So that is a great tip that if you kind of like do do that, you can put look at your recordings, um, monitor it. Because at the end of the day, if someone says, oh, I'm dying tonight or that didn't go down very well, if that's you saying that, whereas three people might have laughed and seven didn't or seven didn't, three didn't, you can look back on yeah. your recording and see that you might just want to tweak that just one little bit, one word too many, or you might have um, mucked up the punchline so it didn't come across. In the competition, my second gag, I completely mucked it up, completely, but I fudged over it and just moved on because there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing worse than saying, oh, that one, right? Or that, because how do they know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They, they have got no idea what, like we say in magic, they've got no idea what's about to happen. It, it, it's impossible for them to know, obviously, unless they've particularly just seen what you've done, which you, you wouldn't repeat it anyway. So, yeah, that's that's kind of like my formula that I have. I have my cards 
and I, I don't see any wrong with it, to be honest, because, you know, a lot of comedians might have something written on their hands or whatever. But when I get an absolute, what I know is my blinding set, I will, I will add the memory palace off. You know, I've got it. I've got 20 yeah. percent of it. But what's, what would be really criminal, I think, if I was going through a link and I'd done my wife, blah, 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 blah. And then I got and I missed one. I would kind of like rue that at the end of it because I thought, ah, I missed the big hit then when yeah. I could have the big hit on my hand and no one is going to shout out, you're reading them off a card, mate. And it's it's irrelevant because I'm telling you the story from reading it off my, off my hand. It's almost like an auto cue, if you like, for somebody reading off the news or whatever. So, and to this day, no one's ever come up to me and said, What's on them cards, mate? Or uh, uh, it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's insignificant. It's it, and I never when I open, I know my first ten jokes off by art, really. But I've always got them there ready because the first sort of like two or three, I, I kind of like freestyle because you never know what's going to come back. You might get something, you know, someone might fall off a chair or the door might creak open. So then you're ready to go with something, you know, else. And then if you've lost, forgotten the next four or five, you can just look straight back at your cards and you can just pick up wherever. So I, I find it's especially at kind of like my level, if you like, where I'm kind of like, you know, sort of like second rung up, if you like. It, it's kind of like it, 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 it's a comfort blanket, but it's not. I, I, I don't need them, but I do because there's no reason why you shouldn't have. No, and I think, um, like I say, people are used to, uh, like the American chat shows with the cards, you've got like Jonathan Russell. People when they're presenting show, they have cards. People know they're reading off these cards. It's not yeah. a big shock for people to see them. And obviously they got to listen because it's joke after joke. So somebody ain't got time to go. What's he reading off a card for? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, if I if I showed you the cards and I said, "Yeah, Craig," you'd say, "Well, what, what the hell's that? I've no idea." Do you know what I mean? What's I've got no idea, you know, what, what does that mean? You know, yeah. you, you, you wouldn't, you'd have, and, but, but for me, they're just kind of like, you know, like post-it notes around the house, laundry. You don't mean to say that you've got to say, I've got my football kit over the washer area. I've got to pick up at seven. It's just <laughs> reminding you, isn't it? And that's all, yeah. that, that's all I do with these, to be honest. And they've, they've worked. And at no point as, you know, I speak to a lot of, like, especially the guys at Magic and <coughs> other comedians. No one's really said, "Oh, do you have to use them cards, mate?" No, I don't think they'd be saying that in in a in an attacking way or being personal. It, it, I, uh. I just, it's 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 an insignificance, really. It's not. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of like the secret to that, if you like. And so. Obviously, one-liners, that's that's your style, getting your demeanour. Who are the comedians that you like to watch or who were the comedians back in the day and who are the ones well, now that you like to watch and what's their style? You know what? Yeah, that's that's that, that's good. I mean, I like Stu Francis. Um, I've always sort of liked, liked his kind of like his facial expressions because a recording can tell you one thing, but, you know, your facial yeah. expression or your... You're, you're gesturing or you're looking and, and I always kind of like think that he's he's you know he's Canadian he's kind of like really laid back and looks like you know he, he'd get in an argument with himself almost he kind of like seems awkward in that and and that I particularly like I like Gary Delaney for his kind of like he's somebody that I could watch all the time I mean I think Tim Vine is is, is great for me for the, what what I do but then He's a safe comedian in what he does. He's probably got a stack of jokes that he's probably never ever aired to the public because it would probably change everyone's opinion. Because he's quite, <laughs> a, he's he, he's a he's a you know he's a, he's just a, a lovely, charming comedian. In, in yeah, he's not the family entertainer, isn't he? Yeah, it? that's no exactly. Swearing, no so, and I think I like that part of it, but I think I I've noticed with a lot of kind of like like Gary Delaney, for argument's sake, is. You know, an equivalent of of um, like Tim Vine, but yeah. he's very rude, and you know, he's very articulate, he's very clever. So he's took it to another. There was a gap in the market, and he seized it. So I want to kind of like sit somewhere in between, really. Yeah. 
I like the, the, the look of, you know, like if they're wearing a suit or come, I think that that's one thing that I particularly like. I think you should be identified. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with wearing jeans and a t-shirt or whatever. <laughs> if, if, you don't no, have to no, say no. that for my feelings. <laughs> yeah. But, but what I'm saying is if you saw somebody, you know, dressed in a union jack suit, regardless of, of how good or bad they are, it, it, you'd remember them, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Because you've got absolutely. that distinguishable pinstripe jacket that you wear. That's that's something I've seen a, a number of times now. Yeah, that's it. I kind of like that's a boating blazer that I kind of like. Um, like I said to you earlier on, I've got a, an affinity with, with scooters, and that's something that I kind of like like that look. And I just think straight away, if I was in that room and somebody had that jacket on, I'd think they were part of the night more so either doing something or they were in them sort of circles and i think that's quite important that that you've got to have you haven't necessarily got to have an established look but i think it helps like you say you take jim rintrug and say we all know what he's going to wear don't we? There's, yeah. no, there's no second guessing on that which is great you know so i just think if you're going to be if you're going to be somebody else on stage rather than telling the joke to your mate up the pub why not why not have a little bit of fun with it and sort of like be a character at the same time? You know, it's it's not difficult to, if you want to wear a jeans and T-shirt, fine. But for me personally, I, I like the, the, the part of putting a jacket on, you know, strutting up, if you like, being a little bit, just just, just having your own egotistical five minutes, if you like, wind yeah. or I mean, it, it's, you're, you're putting yourself up there. So yeah, that's getting back. That's the, the, the sort of like the comedians are like. I've used to like all the airplane films, then kind of sort of like slapstick kind of like comedy. Yeah, Two Ronnies was a massive thing that I grew up with. You know, that was kind of like my. You know, even some of their sketches now that you could kind of like you could bring back to. You could they do would them. still hold up now, wouldn't they? Some of the, the Two Ronnies, the wordplay, very clever. Absolutely. Yeah. A- a- absolutely, you know, and I don't know if you've ever remember. Do you remember the comic strip that used to be kind of like Aid Edmondson? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Dawn Frank, all those um, characters. That to me, that was comedy. You know, that was just brilliant. That the comic strip presents was kind of like everything that that I loved. Yeah, you know, bottom. All that was. That's the sort of. That was like Robert Atkinson what? and Ben Elton and Pamela Stevenson, was it? Pamela That's Stevenson? it, yeah. That was kind of like, um, you, you know, they broke away from, you know, the, the mother-in-law said this. That's, yeah. That was gone. This was kind of like the new, the Britpop, if you like, of, of, of comedy for me. And that's that's what I fell in love with. And I've, I mean, I've got reams of, well, oh, sketches and um, sitcoms that I've got sitting on laptops that are kind of like, you know, ready to be out in the ether. When we go, I mean, I've got myself and Glenn, we write prolifically together and we've got probably sort of like three or four sitcoms and probably sketches. We've probably got, oh, I don't know, 20, 25 decent sketches, all of a sort of like a two or three minutes. So, you know, we dream of our first hour program, if you like. Yeah. And, I mean, because Glenn, Glenn's done quite a lot of work that he got shortlisted for a BBC, I think it was a BBC Four kind of thing. And that was a really good thing. And it shows that we're writing correctly. We're laying stuff out. Yeah. We're making it pleasant for people to read. You know, so that's all those kind of like influences have drawn me to, I mean, I'm writing something all about magicians at the moment of all their because it, it's it's a comedy in itself, just like it, it probably is, you know, going to, to the shop and back for some people. But but that's the, the, the next one that's kind of like nearly finished. So we'll see where, where that goes. So yeah, that's that's kind of like where I'm at with it. That sounds good. Obviously, any parts for me, I'm always available. Feel free. Just what what sort of role are you looking for, sir? Well, you know, I'd I was, like to think of myself as a bit of a chameleon. I could do anything. Well, I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> Look, the role I thought you were looking for was sold in Subway, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's like we've got so many. There's a, a guy at the at Magic, uh, Dennis, who won't mind me sort of like name dropping him, who's absolutely brilliant. And he's a prop king and he's got everything. You go around there and say, oh, I wouldn't mind doing this. And he'll go, oh, I've got that. Or, I've got something like that. Uh-huh. And another guy, 
Um, Jim Stone is another really funny guy. So we're lucky that, I mean, before I came on tonight, Jim phoned me up and just said, oh, well done, make sure that you tell him I'll write all your stuff and all that <laughs> stuff. So it's, it's all, we're lucky that we've got such like-minded people. I mean, yeah. anyone sort of like um, Aidan Sanders does a really good night over um, the back of Petersfield there. I don't know if you've been to that one. No, no. Yeah, uh, what's it? Cord. but it, it's it stopped obviously for the minute and I, I think about 10 of the magic circle lads and ladies came over and it was brilliant because they've not seen me and glenn were both on that night and they've not seen us do this only kind of like part up the club when we get up and do some stuff yeah it's kind of like a really nice thing that people that have helped you on the journey are also in the crowd to kind of like you know, laugh or, or or cry with you or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's a really it's a really cool thing at the moment. But obviously, with our magic circles not meeting at the moment because nothing's open, no. we're, we're, we're all we're all shut down. So that's a bit bit of a shame. Yeah, well, you're as welcome to invite him down, and you know, we could do some magic coming on with the uh, with the Mayflower. Yeah, do you know what it's, it is? It's I think like when you talk about variety, I think magic. I, I, I'm not saying it's everyone's cup of tea, but I think it does lend itself to to, to, to nights and theatre. Yeah, but I tell you, Dan Churchley, you know, he, he does. He's a good little magician, Dan. Yeah, and he does some good little bits just to break up the night. You know, he does his. I won't give it away on in case anyone. Yeah, else. yeah. Does his his little routines, which which are great, and they are they are magic. That's what they are. They're relying on 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 magic. So I just think that's such a great string to our bow that we've got and it'd be really cool to do you know do a, a, i mean i don't know what everyone's perception of magic is in your kind of like world but you know it's something that we'd, we'd jump on you know it's, yeah it's, no we love it I'm, I'm a massive fan so with the with the mayflower gig it's every thursday it's um you know, it's a free gig. We don't, you know, the, the venue doesn't pay us to be there. Right. They just allow us to have the basement. And, you know, it's uh, we've got a stage, you know, an area and a microphone. And there's a bar down there and it's downstairs. And anyone coming down, they know we're coming in for, a, you know, an entertaining night. And I've been trying to say to people, if you want to come and do sketches, if you want to come and do magic, you want to come and do cabaret or... Yeah, um, whatever. that's great. That's, do you know what? Because... Matt Roseblade was the first person that I connected with to actually do some some of this open mic stuff because there was a real lack of it. But now Portsmouth and now Southampton really seem to be pulling in the right direction. To because you know I, I take me out off to you guys for putting on these these events because you're the one who's got to go to the venue. You've got to you've got to organise it. You've got to kind of like check that is it suitable. You excuse me, got to set the equipment up. Got to get the axe. People drop out. People come in. It's a ball, eh? But without you, you, you guys, you know, we, we aren't. We're, where are we going? We're not playing anywhere. Yeah. So it's it's same with magic, really. It's and Southampton's got a massive magic circle as well that they beat really? at, at, at Hedge End. Yeah, yeah. They've got a great. You know, we're we're members of those those clubs as well. So you wouldn't be short of, 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 of magician. Is the stage door up near you? Is that where your, your club is? It's not a million miles away from the stage door. Yeah. So, you know, where the stage yeah. door is up by the, the guild hall area. If you... Yeah. Cause I know a couple of guys have put nights on there for magic in the past. Yeah. But I mean, That's... with, um, it, again, if you're in touch with the guys in Southampton, you let them know that it's available for them. They want to hit me up, then they can come and get some spaces. And well, funny enough, Two of them came on Thursday night to see me and Glenn. Obviously, I, I didn't attend, but Glenn did. And, yeah, so I can speak to both of them and see, mention it. It'd be perfect. I think one of them was trying to speak to me, and we didn't get a chance to have a chat. So maybe that's what that was about. But, yeah. Quite possibly. Sorry? Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that'd be good. It'd be good to put a, a variety on and, uh, yeah, and just offer it out there because... You know, it's it's there to be experimental. People come and do new stuff. You don't have to be overly polished. The whole point of the night is new material or new comics or something a bit different. Sketches. You know, we've had a, sketches before where people just come up with the paper and read the sketches off. It doesn't need to be completely polished, but people need to practice. And 
you need places to practice where it's it's a safe area and you got you know a, a smaller audience there and they haven't paid anything or you know a couple of quid just to book their table yeah. mate so, that's absolutely brilliant that that that's that's exactly it and like i say poetry is quite a big thing that that people like to kind of like listen to so you might get a bit of a mixture of an audience as well with that yeah and like you say, sketches, I think there's not, I, I love, you know, you go to Edinburgh and you watch some of the sketches. It's just, just absolutely genius. You just think, oh, look at that. How simple was that? I could have thought of that, but you, I couldn't because <laughs> yeah, <'cause you> didn't. <laughs> I'm sitting in the crowd watching it, you know? Yeah. I write with a, with a group up at, um, in Eastleigh, the point there's anything funny and they have a, a weekly, I haven't been doing it on Zoom because I don't really come across that well on Zoom, believe it or not. I'm a lot warmer in person with my uh, style and personality. But uh, yeah, I uh, I normally go and sort of sit with them and write. And they, they've come and done some sketches and they write a lot of sketches. And one of the guys there used to you know, write sketches for uh, Mitchell and Webb, the Mitchell and Webb look and things like that. And, you know, in his, in his days gone by. That's great. And uh, it is interesting. It's not my forte. My obviously, you've seen me. I, I sort of tell stories about my escapades and poor life yeah. choices. But I do enjoy it. I do enjoy getting involved. Do Do you find? I mean, this this is not me interviewing you far from it. But do you find <laughs> if you're talking about something that has happened or it is likely, it, you find it easier to kind of like you know put your personality into that rather than saying I'm one of 22 kids and we all slept, which is obviously, you know, fabrication. Yeah. Do you find those stories that, that you do, if you only need a little bit of embellishment, you, you, you've got something that's quite funny there or is funny? Yeah, exactly that. For me, I haven't had to make up a set yet. I've got sort of four good 10-minute sets um, yeah. where it is just, yeah, like being a dad, having so many exes, children, you know, sex, relationships, um, yeah. all these things. And obviously you, you saw the latest one, which was my lockdown story. That's, you know, a completely true story. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And I think this is, this is what me and Glenn been talking about that if you've got something, well, I could tell a, a, a story in the pub that happened, you know, when we were 18 or whatever, yeah. it'll, it'll be hilarious to the eight people that are sitting around the pub. <laughs> six of them might have been there but to try and convey that same story to a room of 40 people that really it's you're, you're self-indulging your own kind of like thing that you think's funny whereas when you're telling the story like what you're doing you've got to make sure that you leave enough information but don't swamp it so when it does come to you know you're, you're kicking them where it hurts to, to make them laugh it's got to have that impact rather than oh yeah yeah you know what I mean, or I've exactly. or whatever. And like you say, I think that'll take me out off to guys, you know, that, that get up and do that, and the girls that, that that get up and do that because it it is tough, and you have got to kind of like make it stand out, and you have got to be, you know, a, a little bit different. And like you've put the nail on the edge. When I said to Glenn, he mentioned about this, and he I said, "Oh, what's he like?" And I said, "I've never met him." When I looked at you, I thought, "Gosh, he's a big old burly lad and whatever," but. Far from it, you're you're totally different to to what you what like you just said. How you seem on Zoom as you are in real yeah. life, which yeah. you know, and I think that's true about if you record a gig. I only record it, um, you know, on the on the, the the voice recorder on the phone. But there is a lot to be said about expressions, mannerisms, looking at the audience, someone coming in. You can get so much more out of that. A police siren going past, have a joke in your locker that relates to that, that it might seem that it's off the cuff, but it's, it's not because it's you're ready. For ready. You, you know, that's, that's what I always, I always think that if you've got that, it looks like, God, he's funny. And how do you think of that? Well, no, it, it, it is funny, but I've thought of it yeah. six months ago. And when that siren went off or the smoke alarm went off, you, you're ready for it. So yeah, that's, that's the sort of like, you know, and I, there's a lot of books that that are kind of like I wouldn't say a, a must get, but I think they're all also something that your mate up the pub can't tell you, or or, or a fellow comedian can't tell you. Because if someone's took the time 
to write a book, get it printed, and it's you know a, an established sort of like publication. Why wouldn't you pick that book up and have a look to see what it says? And even if it just gives you sort of like you know half a dozen or even one thing, it was worth the sort of like the nine ninety nine or whatever because they're not expensive. Some of these, some of the, the, the these comedian books. No, and um, I was talking to Glenn about this as well, and he recommended a few. And I've I, I listen to books nowadays, and um, okay, yeah, I do lots of walking and stuff, and um, I've listened in the last couple of weeks to like Doug Stanhope, who's the sort of nineties two thousands American comedian who's yeah. like, you know a big boozer and yeah, um, yeah, and he he's very interesting. He doesn't really give a lot of tips. He just basically tells a lot of stories about when he was messed up and he's doing this that and the other, and then he. He starts to talk about when he gained some traction and stopped trying to play the game and just decided to be who he wanted to be. And Kevin Hart and Richard Pryor, those are the last couple of books. Yeah, I've Richard Pryor is, yeah. I'm I mean, listening to his now. It's really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think what what separates, there's a fine line, isn't there, between sort of like comic and, and, and you know, genius and, and off the rails, yeah. if you like. A fine line there. And I think... These people are quite iconic, but there's tons and tons and tons of other comedians that are kind of like in between all that. And, you know, that's probably where we're trying to be one of those kind of like comedians that's not, you know, sitting in cocaine filled baths or <laughs> if that's your bag, so be it. But I think when you read some of these, especially, you know, an autobiography or whatever, it does give you an insight. But some of these, there's a particular guy called John Vorhaus. Okay, I've heard of him. Have you heard of him? No. Oh, okay. And he's got a book called The Comic Toolbox. Okay. And, and there's a couple of in the series, and one of them's how to write a sitcom. And it, it gives you that, you know, one little tip that, uh, whether everyone knows or not, I know, but try a joke out nine times, and if it doesn't work after nine times, the rule of nine, ditch it. And, and you know, so you might stick with a joke, not get a laugh, stick with a joke, not a laugh. But if it doesn't make it on the ninth attempt, then you know it's no good because that joke might just be two words short of an absolute miracle or that that might have. And he lays it all out and he gives you examples of, say, a joke ending. And then you put your fill your blank in on your piece of paper. If you like, when you flip the book over, he gives you his example. Now, he's not asking you to match his example. Far from it. But he's just getting you to think of the multiple um, outcomes that could be from that joke and it's very interesting and I think especially if you're telling a story you know a, a, about a lady or a, a, an argument in a shop or whatever it might give you something in there you might think oh that's a better way of putting that or I'll leave that out because you don't need to say um, you know the pub at the back of the shopping centre over the back of the hill by the precinct you just want to say a pub yes. because everyone recognise with that generic building. If you need to be more item specific, that was your nan's next door neighbor's cat sister, well, then you have to tell that in the joke. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is what he's saying. Sometimes too much information and it's lost. So there's some great things in, in, in there. And another guy, Logan Murray, be a great stand up, which is a, another good sort of like reference. But there's no, to me personally, there's no kind of like, set rules and regulations. You could start writing something, you know, we we could come around here and we could put up on the whiteboard and the, the, the subject could be mobile phones. And then we could all, on our own little scroll, write something about mobile phones, read it out. And by the end of the night, we might have sort of like four or five really good setup and punchlines about mobile phones because we're all on the same subject. But every house across the land who's writing comedy might be writing on a plethora of, of, of subjects. So and I think what he says is, you know, stick to something that everybody knows about. So everyone's been to a drive through burger bar, haven't they? And had the wrong order. Everyone's yeah. so say something funny about that. You know, everyone's been late. Say something funny about that. And that's the sort of like tips that he gives you in there. And I think it's really good. It's good advice. So that now that you're a comedian, so now what I've, I've found and, and looking back on my life, um, I and self-reflection have realized that what I would I would do things that I thought would make a good story to tell down the pub. I would do I would get myself involved in situations yeah. that would then create a good story. And what I've now started to realize is actually 
that is that's you know I should have been doing comedy a while back so I could have been talking about these things as they happen and I'm still finding myself doing it now so from your point of view how do you find your inspiration obviously I find it from doing stupid things and being like that that was funny how how do you find your inspiration for jokes do you know what I do right I I write my, my joke so like just say for argument's sake I'm going through the dictionary or I'm going through some proverbs you know a st- uh, uh, there's one you know I do and it says um but you know a pearly king and queen you know what a pearly yeah. king and queen, yeah and all they do is they get the sequins and that and so I said how do you make one of those jackets and you say you get a button and so on and so on and so on and so on <laughs> and and uh, the saying is and you've heard them even go and so on and so on yeah so I just pick up on that right and i look at that and i think where can i go with and so and so on and so on and so on so that's that's the punchline yeah work back twitter is I, I don't know if if you know but there's a hashtag called one pun okay so it's hashtag one pun and the idea of it is at one o'clock every day that's when you send your puns right. so at 1 p.m uh that's when you put the one pun hashtag and you can do that once a week, I, I try and post, a, you know, a couple of day if I can. And what's good about that is you'll get your likes, you'll get your retweets, or you'll get someone come back to you and say, ah, instead of saying, um, I've got a confession to make, I've been seeing other audiences, how about saying something like, ah, I have a confession. I have been seeing other audiences. And it's really good that you can set a joke on twi- Twitter that's only something that can be read. People can read it and say it in their own heads, wherever they are, you know, it's yeah. a worldwide audience, if you like. And then they'll come back and then you can road test that, that joke. So that's kind of like inspirational for me that was before that was never, ever an option. You know what I mean? I could never, ever put, and I tried to put jokes on there that I class as good and, I've got no worry about someone stealing that joke because if they do steal it, Bob from our broth that might be using it in the pub to his mate and he's forgotten it. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. that's where I kind of like get get my 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 inspirations from. And like you say, just picking up on everyday words. And if I might see something, you know, the old gag when um, my dad was was stealing from 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 work. You know, he's working on the road. And he come home and all the signs were there. That's, <laughs> you look at a road sign, you think, what can I say about that joke? What's funny about that bloke putting a sky dish up? So I just look, there's comedy everywhere, isn't there? It, it's, it, and the, the more tragic, the, the, the better the laugh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Glenn always quotes, if you went on holiday, and I said, how was your holiday, Craig? He went, oh, Lee, it was brilliant. We had lobster, there was a white blah, blah. Or have you said to me, oh, we got food poisoning. The yeah, cases people laugh. Up. They laugh at disaster. Yeah, don't absolutely, they? because there's tragedy. There's tragedy, yeah. and I think that's what I always look at. You know what I mean? If someone's, yeah. you, you know, something, something's happened. You know, even if you've broken down, God bless you, at the side of the road, there's still there's still a comedic moment in that somewhere along the line, isn't there? There's a car that will go by that's funny, or there's a, a bird of crap on the white. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? There's so I just think. Comedy knows no bounds, really. And I think if you're in that mindset to, to, to be funny, you're going to think funny and hopefully you're going to write funny. And then hopefully you're going to kind of like say that in, in, in a good, like commanding way as well, rather than muffled or turning away and not being sort of like clear with what you're about to say to that. Because don't forget that whole audience are basically listening to you, aren't they? They're not doing anything yeah. else that, that, that they're listening to you. No, that's exactly it. And that's exactly where with, like you say, with like my appearance and, and my sort of attitude and walking up, I try to make my jokes as self-deprecating and taking the mickey out of myself as much as possible because no one wants to hear somebody up there bragging. No one wants to hear you go, well, you know, I was having sex with a beautiful woman and it was amazing. <laughs> that, no one's laughing at that. They want to hear the tragedy behind that. Absolutely. Then your mum walked in or, or you found out it was... Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that is the beauty of it. And I think that's what you've got to look at. So I always think that's how I can. And I think I'm different to other comedians. The fact that I'm a one liner man. And I think that's 
that bottlenecks me into my own kind of like bracket, if you like. Whereas I, if I see another one-liner comedian, I'm almost in awe of that other person because I think, oh, I didn't know that you could do that about a scene. Yeah. Or a, you know what I mean? It's kind of like I've got, I've got somebody to kind of like bond with and almost respect because they're doing my kind of stuff. Whereas if your mate tells you something up the pub that he bought a suit from next and it turned out to be, but he had to wear it or whatever, you can embellish that and use that for your advantage, if you like, or take a couple of little bits from that. And, you, you know, you've, you've stolen a little piece of, of his story up the pub, but really that's where, where's it come from? It's got to come from, from real life, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And, um, and like I say, as we're sort of coming up to the hour now and wrapping up, I always ask, and I've always got to ask, as you were sort of talking about seeing other comedians, from your side of things, just to kind of name drop somebody and give somebody a bit of a, you know, a sort of shout out here. Is there anybody on the circuit as you've been going around well, that you would go, this this person, this guy, this girl, really good. She's going to be good. If you see him on a bill, go and see him. Make sure you see this person because they're really There's good. one person in particular and he shares his name with a famous actor and his name's Craig Parker by all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> If you do you know what, right? I'm gonna answer this kind of like on the fence, if you like, because I think everyone that I've been to see has got something about them. And I say that in the most complimentary way, but I don't think in the time that I've been doing this, and I'll probably include myself as well, I haven't seen anybody that really says, Jesus, I can remember when he or her was was, you know, at the Fox or whatever it was. Yeah. So I don't think uh, to answer that there is nobody that's really there's some there's some good guys that um, you know Nathan Eagles always good when I've seen him. Yeah. Um, Josh Dil- Dylan, I think yeah. he's called, or Dillian is always good when I've seen him. But then I could also say you know when I see Glenn, I always think, oh yeah, Glenn, that's great when you do the monkey or you've done your side <laughs> yeah. uh, tap. Do you know what I mean? So I think. And I mean this in the most kind of like politest way. I think everyone is kind of like fighting for the same, the same kind of like goal, if you like. I think everyone, otherwise, you wouldn't be up there doing it, would you? Yeah, no, you're right. I do appreciate there's some that I don't think there's any sort of like real future. But then I could also say that about myself. I could stop doing one-liners and people are not going to phone me up and ask me to come out of retirement. So <laughs> I think it's, I think everyone is, is a decent standard. It's a friendly circuit. It's can only grow. But I mean, to be honest, I don't know anyone who's won the uh, Southern comedian. So I couldn't say that they were, the ones to watch out for yeah. or anyone's break, breaking on. I mean, I'll take my hat off to you guys, the MC. I think that's a pretty tough gig. So I don't, that hasn't really answered your question as such, but I think there's certain acts that when you're going, oh yeah, that was good. That was nice. Or that, that had, that had a, a, a nice pace to it. There was one guy and I think Glenn mentioned him as well, that was at the Guild Hall that we saw. We didn't catch his name. He'd kind of like rushed from work. He made a joke about having his um, IT clothes on, which, you know, and he was really, really good. And he won the heat. I don't know if he went any further, but I've never, ever seen him again on the circuit. So I I can't give you a, a definitive name there, Craig, as much as I'd like to say, a particular name. I'll really take me out off to the girls that are doing it as well, because I think there's, you know, that's, they've got, to, you know, kind of like be up against it because they're in a minority, which hopefully they'll be in a majority because there's, there's tons of girls that are coming on, on the circuit now, which I think is really good. So I'd like to sort of like see some of those kind of like go all the way. Cool. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm a big supporter of getting the girls in comedy. I think it's, it's a difficult question to, to answer because it's just an opinionated one on that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that's the, the thing. I think as long as somebody right practices, it's polished. They give it their all. They've thought about it. They've written it well. I don't think that they can complain as the material strong enough. I think they've done what they had to do. It's, if, if it's you know someone that's like 
pissed or can't be asked or whatever. I just think, well, you know, are you really in this for it or not? That, so that's, I think everyone who fits the first criteria gets my vote. Nice. I like it, mate. Well, uh, listen, I appreciate you giving up your evening for me again. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah. what we'll do, I'll, I'll drop you a text and let you know when we've got some space on the lampoon. We'll get you back down. and. Yeah, yeah, if you could. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's kind of like um, for all those IBS sufferers out there, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're world united. So it can just sort of like catch you out at the last minute. And sometimes it's a little bit of an annoyance more than anything else so yeah well that's brilliant well thank you very much for your time and i appreciate everything that you 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 guys do to be honest so it's a real big up to kind of like all the people that run open mics and give up their time and bring their equipment and have to put up with you know people wanting to be on a certain batting order or <laughs> yeah. whatever it whatever it whatever it is so but Practice. Just write yourself a couple of one-liners. Have a go. I it's might not... do. Yeah, I'm going to have a little look and I'll give you a Not difficult. Just go into to your dictionary, look at some double meanings and write write a joke about it. It's, it's, it's simple as that. Yeah, I'll have a go, mate. I'll let you know. And then, uh, yeah, again, we'll have a catch-up and uh, try and get some of your mates down from the... Yeah, no, absolutely, well. 100%. That's that's a given. I, I wasn't, wasn't really sure of, of what the setup is. Now we've kind of like, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely, that's 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 fantastic, uh, brilliant. Nice one, mate. Listen, okay. I love you and leave you. Um, all all the best. Make sure you misbehave always. And stay funny. <laughs> and you, mate. You take care. I'll speak to you in a bit. Cheers, See you, buddy. Bye. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our usual sponsors at Above and Bold Clothing. Uh, we are also now sponsored by the wonderful Joke Pit. And the Joke Pit are an organisation that are helping comedians and promoters to put on nights, uh, handle the ticketing and table booking uh, requirements now because of the COVID-19 safety measures that are in place for us to be able to put on live comedy. Um, the Joke Pit, you can see all the events that we've got coming up from The Lampoon if you go to www.jokepit.com forward slash comedy hyphen by that's by forward slash lampoon hyphen comedy. You'll see all the different events we've got there. Uh, you can also have a look around the Joke Pit website you can see all the different local nights that you've got on around you be able to book your tickets be able to ask comedians questions you can look at comedians profiles it's a really good website definitely take a look if you're in any way interested in comedy that is the place to start